Father, it's my prayer that as we close up today, Lord, the message today, Lord, whatever, 45 minutes from now, whenever it is, that we will be just declaring in our hearts the same thing. Truly, this man is the Son of God. I pray, Lord, we would be declaring that in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would just go out living that. Oh, what that means. Oh, the life that results of a men and women and, and children who, who go out with this cry on their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Lord, how after this happened, um, uh, soon after this happened, uh, the, the people who, who witnessed this and heard about this turned the world upside down, Lord. Oh, that it would be us, Lord, that has that same word in our heart. Truly, this man is the Son of God, that we would be doing that very thing by the words that we declare, by the life that we live by the light that we give off. That this would be Boston, us and other churches, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden because the church is living out that statement. Truly, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. So I want to begin with this. In the second chapter of Genesis, you really see the second and third chapter of Genesis, you really do see the, the setting for what we see today. And what we see today, um, this, this statement, I love Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, obviously, they all have the story of the cross. Um, I like Mark more than anything else, his brevity. I think he just puts it the be best. He puts it the simplest. He says, now it was the third hour and they crucified him. And just letting those words sink in. But the setting for them was really the beginning of the Bible, the setting for that verse. The second chapter of Genesis, the, uh, the, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, it says that God commanded Adam, the first man, saying to him, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you'll surely die. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the serpent said to Eve, has God really said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God really said that? And Eve responded to the serpent, who we know from the book of Revelation is the devil. Eve responded to the serpent, 
Well, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is of the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent responded to her, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The next verse, Genesis uh, 3, verse 6, says that she looked at the tree, the tree from which she was not supposed to eat. She saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, and that it was desiring to make one wise. I mean, you ate that fruit and you became like God, or so she was told. And she ate it. She first took it, and then she ate it. And she gave the fruit to her husband, and he ate as well. He ate as well. He was right there with her. So again, what had God told Adam? What did Eve say to the serpent? In the day, God said, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. And they did. They experienced an, um, a, an immediate and devastating spiritual death. As all of us know, uh, we can have a relationship um, with a person, right? But things can happen in the relationship where the relationship dies. You and I, we know that. And, 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 so, and, and that happened with God and man. That relationship, uh, that died. You can continue to, to know a person, right? But the, but, the, but the relationship is gone. It has died. And so that happened with Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that spread to every other human being who ever lived after that point. Except one, Jesus Christ. But everyone else, including you and me, that spread, that death. And, and so in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 12, it says that just as through one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus dead, death spread to all men because all have sinned. So we began this morning in the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 25, which says what? Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. And so the Bible teaches, Calvary Chapel, Listen up. The Bible teaches that at that time that Jesus was being crucified in the third hour, they crucified him. At that time, the weight, the load, the full weight of sin that had spread from Adam to every other human being that had sin that had been ever been committed against God, every sin, every man for all time, Jesus was carrying the weight of it on this moment, on the moment that it says, at the third hour, they crucified him. He was carrying that sin. You know, this morning, I saw the sunrise 
Anyone else see the sunrise this morning? Anyone else? All right. Okay, we have one. All right. I saw the sunrise. And every time the sun rises, you know what happens with that sun? Every time the sun rises, that sun is literally pouring forth energy among many other things that sun is that energy is pouring into plant life all over the earth or where it's shining and through a process called photosynthesis which we all learn in seventh grade and then we forget it and then we learn it again and forget it and learn it again and forget it. through a process called photosynthesis the energy the sun gives the plant makes food for the plant for us to eat, the plant through the photosynthesis process also gives off oxygen, which gives us breath, uh, rather air to breathe. And, and God is doing all of this every day when the sun rises. Love does that. The Bible says God is love, and this is what love does. God does. He pours out what is needed for life for all men. And yet, because of that sin that we read about in that third chapter of Genesis that spread to every single one of us, every other man, men and women... Hundreds of millions of men and women wake up every day not caring about God or even thinking about God. Every day. With the sun rising, God is, you think the sun is powerful. That's all just, that's just a needle in the haystack of what God is doing. He's pouring out love. Every day, and every day, men and women wake up not even thinking about God, much less even caring about Him. And they should be getting out of bed, falling on their knees and crying out, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, God. That's, that's what God made you to do. That's how God made you to wake up. Thank you, God. No greater joy than a man or woman who understands that but that sin that is what sin does that is why that's why it is so terrible that and and there are not words that can possibly capture the enormity of sin so what's going to happen with all that sin for year after year, decade after decade, people not caring or even thinking, or if they're thinking about God, they're, they're avoiding Him. Or, or, or worse, they're just shaking their fist at Him. What's going to happen with all that sin? God's going to put it all, the full weight of it, the full weight of that sin. He's going to put it on Jesus. It's going to be on Jesus on the cross. That's what God did. 
That's what love did. God is love, and that is what love, that's what God does. He pours out what is needed for life for all men. He pours it out. He pours out. He wants wants us getting up. No greater joy does a man or woman have that wake up in the morning and, and, and cries out, oh, thank you, God. And he, put, and, 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 and he wants to bring us to that place. And so he, he puts the full weight of hundreds, even thousands of years of sin. And he puts it on Jesus Christ. Every sin, past, present, and, and future. We read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6, the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. So again, in, in, uh, in our verse that we started off, verse 25 of Mark 15 today, now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. The, the, uh, he, uh, his sin is your sin, the weight of every sin, the weight of the sin of every person who ever woke up not caring or thinking about God. It's on Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, Jesus himself bore, meaning he carried our sins in his body on the cross. So what happens after that happens? What happens next? The full weight, oops, the entire weight, the indescribable weight of your sin, my sin, our sin, this whole world sin for all time, the weight of all sin that ever had been committed against God, every sin, every man for all time. Jesus is carrying it as we're reading right here in Mark 15. What happens next? What does is, what is love do? Love put that weight on Jesus. What does love do next? God is love. What does he do? Again, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Really simple. The Bible also says this, though. It says, God is judge. I know you guys knew God is love. I know you all knew that. How many, how, how many of you knew that there is a verse, God is judge? God is judge. Psalm 50, verse 6. And really what that means is God is justice. So now you know a new Bible verse. You knew God is love coming in today. Now you know a new one. God is justice. So what does God do here in Mark 15? Because God is love. He does not want the full weight of your sin on you. He doesn't want the full weight of your sin on you. He doesn't want the full weight of my sin on me. He puts the full uh, weight of uh, your sin on Jesus, and that's what love does. God is love. That's what God's, uh, God does. But God is also justice, and what does justice do? Uh, when the full weight of your sin, my sin, our sin, the full weight of all sin that has ever been committed against God, every sin, every man, for all time, it's on Jesus. What does God do? What What does God do? And this is what he does. On the full weight of sin, he puts the full weight of justice. On the full weight of sin, remember it's on the cross here in Mark 15, he puts the full weight of the law. On the full weight of sin, he puts the full weight of punishment. On the full weight of sin, he puts the full weight of his wrath. 
So what happens when that happens? What happens when the, the full weight of God's punishment the full weight of the law gets put on Jesus the full weight of his justice uh, what happens well first we already began here Mark chapter 15, verse 25 happens. It says, now, uh, it was the third hour and they crucify him. Meaning, meaning when, the, when the full weight of justice goes on, the, um, goes on the full weight of sin, verse 25 happens. He's crucified. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says this, we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. So when the full weight of justice goes on the... Um, full weight of sin, God strikes Jesus. He strikes him. He is struck, struck by God. That's what happened. And that's what that, this first verse that we began with, um, really uh, the crucifixion, he's pierced. He's injured. Isaiah 53 says he's bruised by God. He's struck by God. What else? I want to talk about this. What else happens when, when, when the God of justice, he, he, he's seeing the full weight of your sin, mine, and every other person who ever got up in the morning could care less about God. That's sin, by the way. And it's all on Jesus. What does he do? What does the God of justice do? Well, he, it says he struck, he crucified um, uh, Jesus. Uh, the other thing that happens is that, is that there's a separation that happens. There's a separation. And a separation is going to happen between God the Father here and God the Son. The same thing uh, anytime there's sin in a person's life, a separation, a, a separation from God. So Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this, your iniquity, meaning your sin, have separated you from God. When someone comes to me and they don't have a peace, you know, I really don't have a peace, will you pray for me? A lot of times before I pray for them, I, I, I have to say, well, is there any like known sin in your life? There's no point of praying for you for peace, that you, would, uh, that you would have fellowship with God, no point at all if you've got sin in your life. Because there's a separation happens when we are actively disobedient to the Lord. Whenever you uh, don't have peace in your life, the first thing you should be asking is God, asking God is not for your peace, but God, show me something that is causing me not to have peace. Has there been a separation? This says your iniquities have separated you from God. So, but back to Jesus in Mark chapter 15. What happens to him? He's got the full weight of your sin on him. The answer is there's a separation that happens between God the Father and God the Son. There's a separation. God removes his hand of protection over Jesus. 
And we already saw that in the last two weeks. There was two trials, remember? There was a trial before the religious authorities. They arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They dragged him to one trial. He got there like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. And there was, a, there was like a, a crazy mock trial. And they sentenced him to death. And right after what happened, it says they spit in his face. It was the first thing they said in Mark chapter 14. And then they beat him. And then they blindfolded him and they whacked him and said, Ah, Messiah, tell, prophesy to us. Who just hit you? And that's a result. God has removed his hand of protection. Jesus is, 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 is suffering on your behalf. And then there was a second trial. It was the trial before the Roman governor, Pilate. And the same thing happens there. He is scourged. A whip with a Roman whip, a flagellum, and that's three cords, three, three cords of leather in it are beads of glass or metal, and they just ripped open his back, and then he, he went out. It says the whole uh, uh, group, the garrison of Roman soldiers gathered around uh, Jesus, and we saw this last week, and, and it was, he was like a plaything of cruelty and barbarity. They began to spit on him, mock him, and beat him. There had been a separation from God the Father because of your sin. And, and, and as a result, Jesus is being beaten, the Bible says, beyond recognition. It says by the time he got to the cross, he was unrecognizable. And so that was because of that separation. And then let's continue reading, actually. Let's continue reading. Go down now to verse 29 of Mark chapter 15. And again, the same thing be begins to happen. God has, has really separated himself from his son as unimaginable as that is. And a mocking continues. It says, and those who passed by blasphemed him, meaning they insulted him. They wagged their heads and said, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. And come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest. Can imagine you're the pastors and priests who you know and, and were familiar with uh, saying this um, wh while you're being really tortured. It says they mocked among themselves saying he saved others. He cannot save himself. Verse 32, let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now, meaning come down now from the cross that we may see it and believe. And it says even those who were crucified with them did the same thing. The two robbers, they were saying the same thing. Again, that separation had happened, a separation between God the Father and God the Son. Why? Because your sin was on Jesus. All that beating, spitting, mocking, your fault and mine. Your sin and mine. He took the full weight of your sin. But then full justice means he struck. There's also full justice means there's a separation. But what else? What else happens as a result of that separation? That separation that happens when God puts the full weight of sin on Jesus. What happens as a result of that separation. Actually, can we go back to um, Isaiah 59 too, Caillou? Again, it says, your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will 
not here. That's the other thing that happens when there's a separation of God. He hides his face from you. And when all that sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of every person who had ever woke up in the morning, um, and, and, and it, notwithstanding the fact God is pouring life on their life, they don't care about God, they don't think about God, or worse, they're shaking their fist and they're avoiding God and making up nonsense about God. Oh, there's no such a thing as God. The truth is whatever you make it out to be. There's no so God of truth. All the way to that sin is on Jesus. A separation um, is occurred. And what does it say? It, it says, his sins have hidden his face from you. His, uh, your sin, my sin, resulted in the Father turning his face away from Jesus Christ. God the Father hides his face from Jesus and so what happens next? Verse 33 happens. Verse 33 says, from the sixth hour to... It says, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So the sixth hour was 9 a.m. So from 9 a.m. to 12 noon... There was darkness in all the land. The book of Luke says this. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth. That means if you were whatever in India at the time, here it was probably, it was dark because we're way behind. It was like 4 a.m. or something when, in Jerusalem at that time. But, but in India, some, all of a sudden, everything went dark at that time. It says the sun was darkened. Now, this is not a full eclipse. How do we know that? Because the Passover, the Jewish Passover, remember Jesus is called our Passover lamb. He was killed on the Passover. One little interesting trivia about the Jewish Passover feast, there's always a full moon. As a member, the Passover is different every year. There's always a full moon. You can't have a full eclipse, eclipse, I am told, during a full moon. But not only that, even, even when there is a full eclipse, it only lasts seven and a half minutes. This was three hours. And it says that the, the, it's not the sun being covered by cloud. It says the sun was darkened. This doesn't mean it was covered by clouds. Some translations um, say the sun stopped shining. The others say the, sun, the light of the sun failed. Another translation said there was no sun. This was a supernatural miracle. It was, a, a, it was really a fulfillment of what was going on. A separation had happened between God the Father and God the Son. Ever been around a person, maybe not recently, but you know, when you're a kid or something, and you've done something real bad. And you're in front of your dad. And just their presence alone, it's like, they don't even have to say a word. It's like there's just that presence of, there's a separation, there's a displeasure, there's a, you can just feel the weight of that judgment. Or you're before whatever, the principal of your school. 
When I was in a young kid, I got into a lot of trouble. And my school was just, just west of here. I actually had to go to the school child psychologist on a regular basis. I was assigned it. So I was before the, the, the principal and just the weight. The principal doesn't have to say anything. Just the weight of the displeasure. Or if you're in front of a judge and, and it's so clear the evidence is 100% bef- uh, uh, against you and you're just before the judge and just, or the jury and the, you can just feel the displeasure. This is what Jesus is going through. I want to, I, 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 there's darkness over all the land. The sun had been covered. The life had been cut off. The pleasure, the life of God had been, had been cut off. I want you to consider this. I, I really want you to, 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 to get this. Consider what Jesus is going through. Consider this. At the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus had, in chapter one, the, Jesus first comes onto the public scene. He was baptized and he was coming out of the water. Jesus, it says in, in Mark chapter one, it says Jesus saw the heaven tear open. He saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then it says that Jesus heard the voice of God the Father saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, for those of you who were with us a year and a half ago when we went through this, <laughs> Mark chapter 1, verse 11, you may remember that so much is lost in this translation. If you go into the original Greek, what is really being said is this. It's, you are my son. I love you so much. You give me so much joy. I am so blessed by you. That is what Jesus Christ, it says, the Bible says that he lives in the bosom of the Father for all eternity. That's the environment that he lived in. He lived in an environment for all eternity where the, uh, the love of the Father was just being lavished on him. Ever be around, ever around a person that just loves you so much, I don't know, like a mom or whatever, and you can just feel the love, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's the same thing. You're my son, you're my daughter. I love you so much, you give me so much joy. I'm so blessed by you. I tell you, talk about something that stirs up joy. When John, chap, in cha- John chapter 15, he said, listen, all the stuff that I've told you before this time, I've told you so that you can have my joy and that your joy may be full. Where's the joy come from? Man, when you're being loved, lavished, with the love of God, by God, in this way, you are my son. I love you so much. You give me so much joy. I am so blessed by you. That's why Jesus had so much joy. That's why it was such an amazing promise when he says, you can have my joy. But right now in Mark chapter 15, rather chapter 15, it's all been cut off. The sky is darkened. That which pours out life on the, this was not a cloud cover. This was a supernatural miracle that, 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 that Jesus was now living in darkness and he is in it for three hours. Three hours. So you guys wonder why in the Garden of Gethsemane, we spent a whole sermon on this, but why in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
Was Jesus under such distress? He says, my soul is deeply um, distressed to the point of death. It says that his blood, that the capillaries in his sweat glands burst and his, his sweat, uh, drops of sweat had blood. Why? Because he knew what was going on or what would be happening. The, the separation from God for all eternity. He'd been living in the presence of God the Father who's crying out to him, you're my son. I love you so much. You bless me so much. He knew he was going to be cut off. And now for three hours, three hours, this darkness, this separation, because of your sin, my sin, the sin of everyone who has ever got up, including everyone in this room who's ever got up with God pouring out life on the world and on you, and you're like, you're not even thinking about God. You're not caring about God. The full weight of your sin was on Jesus. There was a separation. And Jesus is sitting, hanging in the dark for three hours. I can tell you one thing that happened, by the way. Those people who were insulting him, ha <laughs> You who saved others, save yourself. They shut up really quick. Everything's dark. The sun is gone or whatever. It's night. I believe also they began to split. They were, they were out of there. It says in the book of John, it says that by the time Jesus actually died, it says the people who were leaving at that point were beating their breasts, meaning they were like horrified at what just happened. And, and, um, and also, you know, it just talks about people in distress. And so I, I, at this time, boy, I tell you, people went from mocking Jesus to fearing God in like the biggest way. The Bible does say that's going to happen again upon Jesus' return. People aren't going to be mocking God anymore but here jesus is under the full weight of it it says again in john chapter 15 verse 33 when the sixth hour had come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour and you wonder so what how does jesus deal with this it says after three hours verse 33 in the ninth hour jesus cried out out from the darkness with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is after three hours of that displeasure, that separation, that, that darkness. It's not only in the spiritual realm, it's literally in the physical realm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, the Bible says that, um, it says, Jesus says to you that he'll never leave you or forsake you. It says that. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you, ever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Why is he able to say that? Someone shout it out. You know, the, you know the answer I'm looking for? That's right, because he had been forsaken. He took your place. And because he was forsaken for you, he can tell you with full assurance, you give yourself to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he will never leave you or forsake you. He did that for you. He did that in your, in your place. Jesus Christ. 
And this is all about the love of God, too. I know there are many in this room who know about the joy of falling on their face and saying, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. We had a retreat of the leadership of this church this weekend and uh, up in New Hampshire, and we had a wonderful time. It was a really goofy picture we took of all of us on top of Mount Washington. Maybe we'll send that out. But uh, we were talking for the first uh, evening all about what does it mean to seek God? What does it mean to seek God? And I love what one of the brothers said. He said, Seeking God for me is just getting before the Lord and saying, thank you, God. I can't believe it. Thank you, God. Thank, and just the joy that that happens. That's, that's one kind of seeking, by the way. But the joy that, that, uh, uh, that that's what happens. And God so wants you to have that joy. He put the full weight of your sin on Jesus. And on top of the full weight came the, his full justice, which included being, uh, Jesus being struck, being mocked, beaten. And that the thing that, in, with all my heart, I believe was much, much more worse, indescribably worse than being struck or spit on, or mocked, he was separated from the love and pleasure of his father, something he had never been ex experienced before, and that's why we see he, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's continue to um, read here, verse 35, some of those who stood by when they heard Jesus, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, and they're like, what's going on here? Uh, maybe he's calling for a prophet. Um, it's just superstition there. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of a sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Or someone else said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come down to take him down. And then it says in verse 37, then Jesus cried out with a loud voice. That's, by the way, in the Greek, that's mega, with a mega voice. He cried out with a loud voice, breathed his last. He died. Verse 38 says, And then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, what does that mean? Well, prior to this time, the only per per person that could go by go through the veil of the temple was the Jewish high priest and that only once a year and that after he'd been baptized a bunch of times a whole bunch of animal sacrifices blood was shed for him then he went in once a year but now with the death of Jesus Christ the veil is torn in two and now you the Bible says who have accepted Jesus Christ you can go right into the, to the presence of the Lord you can go through the veil there's no, no sacrifices of blood of lambs because the, the Lamb of God, which all those other Old Testament sacrifices look to, has been slain in order for you to go right in. It says the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And then it says the centurion. Now the centurion was the Roman soldier in um, charge of doing all this, in charge of putting Jesus to death. 
He oversaw the beating of Jesus, the spitting of Jesus, the mocking of Jesus. He oversaw it. But then as he sees Jesus nailed to the cross, he sees people insulting him. The Bible says that they insulted Jesus, but he didn't insult in, uh, in return. And instead, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They, they, saw, uh, they, they saw him, uh, uh, it says the king uh, uh, of the Jews over, it says, wait, maybe this guy is a king. And, and then they just realize that, you know, a miracle, they see the sun disappear for three hours. These guys, it says, get it. It says in uh, verse 39, actually here it, it's the centurion um, and Matthew, it's not only the Roman the commander, but it's a bunch of people who guarded Jesus with him. They, it says they saw that he had cried out like this and breathed his last and they said, truly, this man was the son of God. Let's continue. Verse 40, 40 says, There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and of Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him from Jerusalem. So the guys were all hiding under beds and stuff in Jerusalem, terrified, but here the women are with him. It says, now when evening had come, because it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, meaning he was a member of that judicial council that had condemned Jesus to death. He was a member of it. It says that he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, and then it says he came and took courage. He went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled, Pilate's the, the Roman governor. He marveled, he was surprised that he was already dead and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time and when he uh, found uh, out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph and then he, then he Joseph, brought, bought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen and he laid him in a tomb which has, had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And then it says in verse 47, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph, Joseph observed where he was laid. And so next week we'll read about the resurrection. But let me close up with this. I, I wanted to read these last verses because again it says in verse 43, this guy Joseph, at this point he had never really come out. He had figured out along with at least one other ruler in Israel, at least one other member of the council, he had seen the life of Jesus and figured out, whoa, this guy's the son of God. And, and here it says that he took courage. It says he, he was waiting for the king of God. He took courage and he went to the Roman governor Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. I tell you, he could be thrown out of the temple by his, his fellow Jews. He could be get into trouble with the Roman government for um, being complicit with, with Jesus. It says he took courage. He took courage. 
it had dawned on him, he had realized he knew the Jewish scripture. Perhaps he knew the, the scripture of the full weight of the sin of the world would be uh, put on Jesus Christ or on the Messiah from Isaiah 53. He, he saw the three hours of darkness. The book of Matthew says there was also an earthquake. And, sa- and, and so finally he took courage. Some of you in this room, Listen, this isn't, if all I'm doing on Sunday morning is giving a Bible study, I've failed miserably. What I really want to have happen is, 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 is the, the Word of God taking effect in your hearts that you would take courage and come out of hiding. <laughs> that you'd come out of hiding, realize that the full weight of your sin, every time you got up in the morning, with God pouring out life on you and the life of the Word, you're not even thinking of Him. You're not caring about Him. And all that sin, because that is sin, was put on, that full weight of your sin was put on Jesus. Then the, whole, the, the full weight of justice was put on that sin so that Jesus Christ, for three hours, hanging in the dark, he had spent all eternity in, in the presence of such love that you're my son, I'm so blessed by you, you give me such joy, all of a sudden that's cut off, and that's because of your sin and mine. And, 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 and you've read the word this morning, and it's like, okay, now I, I got to take courage. Like this guy, Joseph of Arimathea, who came out and said, let me get the body of Jesus. I mean, I tell you, after this point, this guy was gone. He was no longer uh, g- going to be on that Jewish council. They, they would have kicked him out of the temple. But he came out. So what is preventing you? What's preventing you from coming out of the cave, from coming out of darkness, for being unwilling to be out there and just showing just out in the open, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. What's preventing you from doing that? God is drawing you into a relationship with him where you can know that full joy, the same joy. Where the Bible says that God not only says of Jesus, he says of you, you are my beloved son in whom I am have great pleasure. And whom gives me great joy. That's what the relationship that God is drawing you into. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we have been predestined into adoption as sons and daughters of God. But what's preventing you from coming out and giving your heart, mind, and soul to Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask that the worship team come up at this time. And and we're just going to close in worship. And I'm also going to give any of you the opportunity who who you want to take courage and, and come out and, and identify with, the, with Jesus Christ. By the way, if you've never been baptized, that's what one of the things that baptism is. We're having a baptism in a, in a, in a couple weeks where you're just coming out in public and saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. And when they put me under that water, that just represents how I went to the cross and the grave with him and the tomb. And, but when I come out of that water, it's just as he was resurrected into life, I'm, I now have new life. Uh, but that's, that's what baptism is about. So, but, but if you've been asked to pray, if you, could, um, if you could come up at this time, if you've asked to be a prayer partner, if you could come up, up at this time. But um, I w- I'd like you all to stand.
And I'd like us to worship. God wants to stir you up into worship. He wants you uh, in, into that place where you recognize what he has done for you because he loves you so much. He wants you waking up in the morning saying, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. There's so much he loved you. He wants you in that place. He put the full weight of your sin on Jesus. Then the full weight of that justice and Jesus hung in the dark for you. So much, so powerful was the separation. It, it so affected him. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he cries out again and he died. He died for you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not die, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you have never entered into that kind of relationship with God, if, if you've never taken courage and say, I want to, I just, I, I, I want to do what Joseph did. I want to just go out and identify to everyone who's willing to see or hear. Yeah, I am, I'm a Christ follower. Come up, we can, we can pray for you. We can pray that that, that, um, that will be consummated in your life. That very thing will happen. Or if there's anything else you'd like to pray about, please come up as we close out the service. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus thanking you you didn't leave us as orphans Lord you gave us Matthew Mark and Luke which all of whom make such a big deal of this that you hung in the dark for three hours there was separation Lord Jesus there was separation between you and the Father and you did it because you love us so much and I, I pray Father that you would continue to draw us in with the cords of love. Lord, particularly draw anybody, Lord, who's never come into a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you to take courage and join themselves to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.